alive. I still am acting not as weird as the people in this movie. So here we go. My name is Pete, and I am from the Lasso Cast with my good friend over there, Dr. Zayas G-O-D. Today, we are talking about a movie that I'm very curious, you people at home, our audience, I'm wondering if you guys have seen this movie. It's called The Ninth Configuration. I never even heard of it until it was mentioned in one of our documentaries that we watched, Andy. What was it? Uh, was it fucking, uh, you know, uh, In Search of Darkness? I don't even know if this was covered in In Search of Darkness. It may be uh, Leap of Faith, possibly, uh, talking like about when, when uh, Friedkin was talking about Blatty's work. I know that this came up when we did our review of Exorcist 3, uh, which was written and directed by William Peter Blatty based on his book Legion. And this came up as Blatty obviously wrote and won an Oscar for The Exorcist. He wrote and directed The Exorcist Part 3. The Exorcist Part 2 is like this black sheep nobody talks about, but then there's this movie that a lot of people, including Blatty, possibly consider the part two of his own unique uh, trilogy about the nature of good and evil, the nature of faith. Um, and it's, it is a movie that I wish I would have seen years earlier. I, I, this is the second time I watched it. Yeah. And I'm more and more fascinated by this movie every time I watch it. And yeah. it's a movie that I feel I can rewatch lots of times because of just how absolutely almost irreverent the first hour and 20 minutes of this movie is. Yes. I am glad that you brought that up, Danny, because I feel like this movie is two different movies in one. There's like the first half of it, or maybe even like the first 60% of it. And then there's this shift and it becomes a very different movie. You know, when, when you do a little bit of research on the ninth configuration, you see that like the beginning of it is this sort of irreverent comedy and then it gets much more serious and it's about um, faith and morality and it gets very violent and disturbing at the very end. Like, would you consider this to be a horror movie? Absolutely not. But I feel like we have a leniency to cover it based on the fact that we've been doing the fact that we spent a month on exorcist related material and this movie absolutely is in the exorcist universe because of a variety of reasons, whether it's obviously William Peter Blatty writing the, I believe the book and then the screenplay and movie. Uh, the fact that it feels like every actor in this movie is also in the exorcist three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At one point, um, yeah. I mean, at least three of the main characters are in The Exorcist 3, maybe yeah. even a fourth character, mm -hmm. uh, a fourth actor, rather. And the, the concepts that this movie talks about are things that we spent a lot of time talking about covering The Exorcist TV series mm -hmm. uh, with Father Marcus and Father Tomas. Right. Uh, th there are things that we talked about in The Exorcist Part 3 when we covered that. So is this a hard... It's it's really funny. IMDb, you know, like at the very top of when they give you the movie title, they usually give you the genre. And this says like horror, comedy, drama. And I'm like, 
yes, yes. Okay. Just roll it all up into a bowl. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If you look at the the posters, it actually has some pretty striking uh, poster artwork for it. And it's it's kind of hard to decide what it is based on the poster artwork. When when you see the thumb that I made for this, the thumbnail for, I made for it, it has that like main biker punk that has like the eye mascara, like the makeup. It has him holding the knife and it has uh, Stacy Keach like on the ground, you know, on the ground in the bar. It's a really striking image. I, I think that this movie, there's no way they could make a movie like this today unless it was like super, super low budget and and like nobody put any kind of, like it wasn't connected to any kind of studio at all. It, it's definitely a vision. William Peter Blatty ended up fil- um, financing half of this movie. This movie cost $4 million to make. He put in $2 million of his own dollars into this. This, this movie doesn't, it, the first hour of this movie doesn't feel like a movie as much as it feels like almost like a a, a mental asylum uh, doing a, a a comedy act. Yes, and, and <laughs> I I can't even. The, I I spent the first hour and ten minutes of this movie laughing so much, particularly at. The uh, at Scott Wilson, uh, who plays uh, Captain Cutshaw, the astronaut, who another connection to the Exorcist, because in the Exorcist novel, there is an exor- uh, there, there's an exorcist. There's, there is. There there's is even a, two. Uh, there's an astronaut who Reagan gives this like ominous omen of you're going to die up there. And he like melts down and can't go through with his mission, and he ends up not going. And that's uh, according to IMDb trivia, they're like the astronaut was unnamed, and it can't be Cutshaw because the timing. And they kind of try to bring up the timing of like 1975, and Vietnam for the U.S. was over by that point, but it. I'm thinking it has to be just logically being that it's Blatty's work. Yes. And the other character who I just freaking laugh my ass off every time he's on screen is Father Karras himself, Jason Miller, who is trying to wrangle a bunch of dogs into a Shakespearean show. Uh, I had this idea that when we started recording, I would try to have my three cats in here and I would start yelling Shakespearean commands at them. Yes. But, but like the dogs in the ninth configuration, they did not, uh, they didn't work out. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of love that you're explaining this weird thing you were going to do because of this weird ass movie. Meanwhile, I'm standing in front of the bridge of the starship enterprise and I'm wearing Spock's uniform and no one's even mentioned this yet. Um, Well, I noticed that you were wearing that you were uh, in like a green screen, but I, you're turned to the side, so it oh. just looks to me like you're wearing like a blue shirt. Oh, there it is. There's the Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, okay. by coincidence, uh, for my job, I got home just from work just a couple minutes ago, and we went to an escape room that was a Star Trek-themed escape room. So I wore this as a joke, but I was like, this movie's so batshit crazy. I'm just going to dress up like this for our video for the ninth configuration. It fits with the motif of this movie. Right. I mean... 
So, so what's interesting about this movie, right? Because I did a little bit of research, and apparently it's based on a novel that William Peter Blatty wrote in 1966 that had a different title. It was called Twinkle, Twinkle, Killer Kane. And then what happened was he took that novel and he reworked it and released it once again as the ninth configuration as a novel. And then okay. the adaptation is the adaptation of that novel. Okay, now, that's a much better title than Twinkle, Twinkle, Killer Kane. <laughs> and it, dude, it had an exclamation point too after Killer Kane, you yeah. know? But um, he adapted the screenplay initially for William Friedkin to direct. So that was going to be the director originally, but then it ended up being that Blatty directed himself. Now, one thing I think we should mention, okay, two things actually. First off, um, since you and I did a recording, William Friedkin died. Now, I know you did yeah. a really great tribute to him on our channel. You guys should go check that out. It was just this weird coincidence that you and I talked about The Exorcist so much. We even talked about the documentary Leap of Faith. And then like the next week, William Friedkin died, right? Yeah. Um, but with that being said, one of the things that was really interesting in the Leap of Faith documentary was that William Friedkin said uh, that William Peter Blatty wanted to play Father Karras. And that he basically had to tell him, like, you're, you're not going to play Father Karras, you know? And so um, it's interesting that he's in this movie, don't you think? He does have like a, he has like an uncredited role in yeah. it. But then even more weirdly in Leap of Faith, they talk about how the original actor cast, once Friedkin was like, sit down, William Peter Blatter, you're not an actor. Right. The actor who was cast and paid for uh, to play Father Karras was Stacy Keach, who right. obviously Blatty liked because he brought him back to be the lead here, um, Kane, the psychiatrist. Well, we think for the first half of the movie is the psychiatrist, uh, and the rest of, and then it. Of, of course, I mentioned already Jason Miller, who actually was Father Karras, who got nominated for Best Supporting Actor for playing Father Karras. He plays uh, one of the inmates in this asylum. Um, can we talk about the actual asylum? Because to me, that is a character in and of itself. Uh, of course. I think the movie, I don't, I, I don't think it was shot inside of this building. But the outside is like effectively a German castle. Right. <laughs> and they claim that it's like this is in the Pacific Northwest. They're like in the movie, this takes place, I think, in America, in like this in the Pacific Northwest somewhere. But <laughs> it's it's like a German castle. And I don't know about you, but maybe it's because I was in the mind of the exorcist from covering all these, but it felt like every gargoyle on screen kind of looked like Pazuzu. Pazuzu. Yeah, absolutely. Thousand percent. Yes. Okay. So that wasn't just me going crazy with the characters in the movie. Okay. Great. Not at all. <laughs> all right. Yeah. The castle's crazy. Honestly, when you watch this movie, it's kind of jarring at first, right? Because um, I watched it on Pluto and there's like commercials every five fucking minutes on Pluto. Oh, I fucking, oh I'm sorry. I, I hate Pluto. I watched one movie. I think it was Scream 2 when I was introducing Charlotte to the Scream series. Yeah. And I vowed I would never watch a movie again. I will I will watch Tubi all, right. all day and all night. Right. Uh, yes, they have commercials. Uh, I, I, I complained about Hulu and their ads. 
Pluto TV is brutal. It, it takes like three hours to watch a 90 minute movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they put him in the worst spots in the movie oh, too. Yeah. Like, that's what I like about Tubi. I'll give Tubi credit. Tubi always kind of lets the action die. And there's like a countdown to the end. So you're always right. like ready for it. So it's like, okay, great. I got to go to the bathroom. I'll, I don't even have to pause it. I'll just go during the, you know, four or five commercial break. Pluto TV is like, you'll never believe who the killer is. It's commercial. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Like, okay, here's a spoiler for the movie. Stacy Keach like slaughters all these people in the bar. This one guy's dead body falls to the ground and a fucking Viagra commercial comes on. You know? <laughs> like, that's perfect, right? Um, so what I'll say about the movie being jarring, though, is that there's no, like, credits or anything at first. All it is is, like, a country song about San Antonio and, and a guard walking in front of this castle. That's the first um, thing you see. Unbelievable. And they play the whole song, and it just kind of, like, it starts, and it's just, like, this foggy... It almost feels like you're watching a combination of a universal horror movie from the 30s and like a World War II movie at the same time. Because it's like guards in military uniforms walking in front of this like gothic European castle. But then fucking San Antonio is playing and you're like, what is going on? I got to say, though. What follows, that song kind of perfectly sets the tone for the insanity of that first hour. I, it, I'm going to make a weird analogy or connection. This movie felt, the first hour of this movie felt like Ghostbusters in the sense that when the more I rewatch Ghostbusters, the more I'm convinced that especially Bill Murray just ad-libbed every line of dialogue in that movie. Right, right. I'm convinced that Blatty had a script and that these actors just kind of went and did their and 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 took the bones of the script and said, okay, almost like uh, Robert Shaw in as Quint in Jaws rewriting the monologue and just some of the lines that Scott Wilson and uh, Jason Miller and Joe Spinell as Spinell. Uh, and Ed <laughs> Flanders, who we both loved and wanted more of in The Exorcist 3. He was Father Dyer. He's, he is the, the doctor here. Dr. Fell, I believe his name yeah. is. Yes. And, and, and he has this whole 30-minute continuous joke about how one inmate stole his pants and he needs to get his pants back. And I, I just kept thinking that's, that his pants are the carp in the bathtub of this movie. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. You are 100% on the money. I felt like all the bizarre humor that's in The Exorcist 3, all the weird dialogue, the back and forth, that's like 70% of this movie. <laughs> you know? And, and whereas like The Exorcist 3 has a lot of like just like doom and horrible imagery, that's all saved for like the end of this movie. But the majority of this movie is just all that weird dialogue. And it has that guy, that Ed Flanders. Um, so you mentioned a whole bunch of actors in there. I really think that we should mention all these fucking inmates in here. Because yes, uh, you know, Joe Spinell's in there. But what blew my mind was fucking Tom Atkins in this movie. Sergeant Krebs. Minus yes. the mustache. 
So he did this movie, I think, right before uh, Escape from New York. He, okay. he plays a very small role at the beginning. He almost very similar. He plays like one of like, I, is Stacy Keach in Escape from New York or is he in, no, he, uh, Stacy Keach, I think, is in uh, Escape from L.A. But he plays uh, Lee Van Cleef is like the lead, the guy who throws Pliskin into New York. And I think Tom Atkins is like his second in command. And he plays basically the same role here where he's like a sergeant who is there to kind of help out uh, Kane, played by Stacey Keach, throughout right. the movie. Uh, but yeah, it's a, like the cast is just like a name, like a name after name after name of great character actors who we know from stuff we've covered this last month and stuff we will see them again in later on in the future. Yeah. Uh, Joe okay. Spinell, I think, was uh, a year away from doing Maniac and being the lead in Maniac. Uh, Richard Lynch plays one of the bikers who's just known as Biker Richard. And he would go on to a, a long career of playing villains in genre movies. Uh, he was the, the villain, the villainous cult leader in this 80s movie, kind of a ripoff of Nightmare on Elm Street called Bad Dreams. Mm. And I I think he's in Mandy also. Like, I, isn't he? he oh, might, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I... I he he's just been in a million movies. He's one of those guys you see his face, you go, "Oh my god, who is that guy?" I've seen that him guy. in a million things. Right. And then fucking Robert Loja is in this oh, movie. Yes, I, I didn't. I forgot to even write him down. Robert Loja, who <laughs> I will always think of <laughs> as the Secretary of Defense in Independence Day. Of course. Even though course. he's he's been in a million movies. Of course. Yes. Yeah. And, and he's got this bizarre fucking scene where he's wearing a spacesuit. And he just flips out on Stacy Keach, and then he like raises the helmet, so you can't see his face in the spacesuit. It's just so fucking weird. Like the majority of this movie, I'm just sitting there thinking, like, what am I watching? And it just seems like a bunch of theater guys or like improv people just being like, let's be as ridiculous as possible. And people are wearing costumes and they're doing weird stuff like left and right. I mean, the one that stands out the most is Cutshaw, played by Scott Wilson. And it took me a couple of minutes to make that connection that that's um, from The Walking Dead, the Herschel. old guy. Herschel, right, right. You know, he's so young in this that you don't make that connection. But he he's good. He he does this. He has a, a great performance. It's just that it's like so over the top and so ridiculous. I you know? loved him so much in this movie. And he passed away in 2018. And I, I uh, sent you the picture uh, Athena and I met him at a Walker Stalker convention in oh, yeah. 2016. Oh. And he was the nicest guy. And everybody there wanted to talk about The Walking Dead. And all I wanted to ask him about was Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Oh, and, okay. and he was like, oh my God, yeah, that was such a fun movie. He talked about how they were thinking about doing a sequel and that it keeps like it's in like start stop mode. And he passed away and, and I'm so upset. I didn't see this movie until after he had died, because if I had seen this movie, that would have been I would have paid him double. Just to talk about this movie for an extra 
five to six minutes. Right, right, I, right. I wrote down, this is maybe my favorite line of dialogue in recent history that I've watched. When he, first of all, he he, he bursts into the office yeah. to talk to the psychiatrist played by Stacey Keach. Right. And before Stacey Keach even turns around, he's leapt onto the lap of Ed Flanders and you hear a crunch and he says with a completely straight face, quote, I think the end of the world has come for the bag of Fritos in my pocket. And I fucking died. I had to pause the movie. I was laughing so hard. And nobody can convince me that that was in the script. Right. Like, I'm convinced Scott Wilson accidentally forgot that he had a bag of chips in his back pocket. And I don't even know if it was in the script for him to jump on Ed Flanders' lap. But <laughs> that scene, you hear the crunch, and then that line delivery is just priceless. Yes. That was, and I was obsessed with this movie between San Antonio. And then that line, and that line comes about 15 minutes into this movie. I was like, I'm so excited that we're going to be talking about this. Yes. Because like I had seen this movie only one time before and it was kind of like a late night watch and I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was William Peter Blatty. I knew it had some sort of connection with the exorcist. And because it's not really a horror movie, I was kind of like, I don't really get this. Like, what is it? What's going on? Like, and then there's a, a dark shift in tone at about the 80 minute mark of this movie. Right. And it didn't really connect with me the first time I saw it, but this time I fucking love it. And that line just it, between, between Ed Flanders talking about his pants and that line about the, and then, and then, Jason Miller bursting in and yelling at this dog that looks like a freaking mop about, <laughs> about the monologue. He, and then he, he makes a joke about how he wants to cast a great Dane to play Hamlet. Um, <laughs> and, he's, yeah. and he's holding, he's holding open auditions for dogs <laughs> at, at one point. Like it sounds like we're just making up shit as we go along. Like, yes. It sounds like we're on drugs or something describing yes. this movie. And by the way, we, we we mentioned it before. If you haven't seen this movie, I'm sorry we kind of spoiled a bunch of plot points and, and funny things. But it's streaming on Tubi for free. And if you really hate yourself, you can watch it on Pluto TV. Uh, but yeah, it, if you haven't seen this movie, and like you said at the beginning, this is one of those movies that for me slipped through the cracks. Right. Because it's not an exorcist movie. It's no. not really like we're a horror channel and this movie is not a horror movie. Like there, you can't even really make any argument. Like there's a, there's a few dream sequences that are a little strange. There's a lot of like dark PTSD level stuff, but it's like, it, it's, it's dark in like a real life sort of way. Like I, 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 I don't mind referring to it as, you know, covering it on a horror channel, but I wouldn't call this a horror movie. I, I maybe yeah. like a horror comedy, like a comedy drama, a war like drama. Horror adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. Horror adjacent is, yeah. yes, this is definitely 
horror adjacent. hundred Yeah, like you know, um, I just watched uh Jacob's Ladder for the first time this year, right? I and can't I fucking that... believe you just said that. Because Why? I just used because I just used your Paramount Plus account to watch Jacob's Ladder the other day. <laughs> Don't tell Paramount Plus. Oh, uh, Ironically, he's telling Paramount that he's stealing my account that I have a Star Trek shirt on. That's kind of hey, crazy. Hey, look, if they're listening, I, I I welcome their viewership. There you go. But I can't believe you brought that up. I literally just finished it first time straight through viewing, like, the other day. So, yeah, wow. go ahead. Because as I was talking about, like, horror adjacent, the fact that it's a war movie, it feels... Jacob's Ladder S, but Jacob's Ladder has a lot more horror stuff in it. Right, of course, of course. Jacob's Ladder is far scarier. It, it feels much more like The Exorcist Three, if we're talking about William Peter Blatty movies, right? But um, it makes me think about this movie a little bit because you have all these veterans who have mental illness now because of the military, right? Um, my father, this is going to take our fun conversation, make it a little serious, but my father has mental illness, right? He's mag depressive bipolar. He went to the Marines at one point and then he got a dishonorable discharge because of mental illness, right? And I know uh, a couple of people that have like, not directly, I don't know them firsthand, but like, I know of people that have killed themselves because of mental illness connected with the military. And so like, that's kind of the serious part of this movie is like how the military makes you kind of go crazy or in some cases you lose your mind because of ptsd and there's one sequence in here that reminds me of jacob's ladder it's when we see stacy keach in the jungle and he's holding the boy's head like i felt like that was very uh jacob's ladder oh yes uh yeah. and there's there's this moment at about an hour and four minutes in and i remember because it was such a amazing moment where stacy keach plays this character almost catatonically for yes, an hour. Yes, yes. He doesn't have a lot of dialogue. He's really just kind of acting off of the lunacy of the inmates right. Right. as the psychiatrist. Right. And then he has this moment where he snaps on, of all the people, it's one of the other work uh, uh, military men, Sar Sergeant Groper, right. and he snaps at him and the camera zooms in on his face and it looks like he like bursts a fucking blood vessel in his eye. Right. And it's such a haunting scene. Yeah. And Stacy Keach's turn from like this kind of very one tone, one note, catatonic psychiatrist to PTSD victim, because like, I guess, we're, we're talking spoilers, right? So, like, spoiler alert, he's actually not a psychiatrist. He's actually an inmate. He's Dr. Fell's brother. <laughs> Twist. And, yeah. and, and, and he is Killer Kane, who went nuts in Vietnam. Uh, Stacy Keach has been telling everybody about his twin brother who went crazy in Vietnam and he's having he's having his brother's dreams and he keeps seeing his brother and we find out that he's basically an inmate and that this is like an immersion test for him to treat himself and it goes spectacularly wrong in the final act of the movie when there's this 
very long, prolonged, almost too long, if I have one complaint, right. bar sequence yeah. where Cutshaw, Scott Wilson's character, escapes after he has a mental breakdown, goes to this bar, he gets attacked by this biker gang, uh, Kane shows up to help him, he gets harassed and beaten and humiliated by these bikers and then he snaps and as you said earlier he kills basically everybody in there men women you name it and there's this amazing scene back at the asylum between the two of them kane and cutshaw where uh he asks cutshaw why didn't, why couldn't you go to space? And Scott Wilson has this full breakdown. Right. Unbelievable scene. Like, like right. when I say this movie is under the radar, like William Peter Blatty was an Oscar winning screenwriter for the exorcist. To me, this movie had performances and, and other parts of it that felt Oscar worthy. Yes. And it just completely went under that radar too. But and then, and then that meltdown triggers a meltdown from uh, Kane as we realize that he effectively has committed suicide there. Right. And there's this am amazing scene of Scott Wilson carrying okay. Stacey Keach's body. And to go from that, the juxtaposition of that first hour of the movie where it is very laugh out loud funny and, and you're just kind of, enamored by the ridiculously crazy characters that we're looking at. And then, like you said, the, the Jacob's Ladder style reality just boom, sets in. Right. And this movie goes real, real dark in the second half. And maybe because of that, it is, it is very, it is kind of like a horror film in a way that. Yeah. That, I mean, th that end sequence with the bikers at the bar is filmed like a horror movie. The way yeah. that it's shot, you know, with their reactions, the angles, when he kills them, it like there's like it's kind of like this sort of like noir kind of shadow on a few of them. There's like close-ups of their eyes and stuff. It's like almost like Sam Raimi. It's yeah. Well, Lu Lucio Fulci and his, Right, that's yeah. that's a better comparison, right? Right. And and you know, like one of the horror staples from like the earliest days of like German expressionism is the descent into madness. Right. And like, uh, even Jesus, to go back to like the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, where you find out, spoiler alert for a movie made in the early 1900s, that Dr. Caligari himself is an inmate in the asylum. Boom. Uh, that whole idea of a, a character descending into madness is very much a horror staple, whether it's uh, in the mouth of madness uh, or this movie and you you feel that like that in this second hour with a lot of these characters not just you know at, at, uh, you feel it with with Cutshaw 100% you feel it with Kane uh, you even feel it with Ed Flanders character at the end when like he he's even having meltdowns because we find out the reveal that it's his brother and there's this amazing scene where he just, he storms out of the room and he has a complete meltdown because yeah. his brother is, Fine. and I, I really love this movie upon the second watch. It's a movie I feel I can revisit and get something 
new and interesting and different out of every time. Like yeah. even the the voiceover talking about what the ninth configuration, like the concept <laughs> of like the the fact that like Earth came together with the protein atoms and does that prove that there's a god or was this all just luck and 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 going back to like the whole idea of are people good versus are people evil and it's such a an interesting film and i'm so glad we watched it now having seen the exorcist 3 having you know the exorcist fresh in our minds it really does feel like this is a perfect bridge movie between those two exactly very well put yeah and they call it the faith trilogy P william peter blatty's faith trilogy and i'm actually really glad that we ended up watching this and that we still even though we were done with our exorcist month we still continue to watch this too well i actually got to get going because otherwise i'm gonna get in trouble with uh with my captain uh kane over here <laughs> but i had a lot of pleasure talking about this with you danny if you guys have never seen this movie let us know if you end up watching it. It is free on Pluto. It is free on Tubi. You just got to pick how many commercials you want to sit through. Uh, I would usually have us promote our shit at this point, but Danny's got some great videos. He's got uh, Talk to Me on there. He's got the the Demeter ship thing, the Dracula fucking Last movie. Voyage of the Demeter. I have a, a short on that. I have a short on a, a new horror thriller that's available on VOD called Traitor, which was kind of a bonkers little movie in, a, in and of itself. Uh, I have a bunch of 30 to 45 second short reviews you can check out and, uh, I'll have some more stuff later in the week. So yeah. Uh, sweet. I got yeah. it. I'm good. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, make sure that you subscribe to the last cast if you haven't already, cause Danny's constantly putting content out on the channel and we do reviews like this every week, at least once a week too. So, uh, we got some more stuff coming for you though in the rest of August and we'll talk to you guys real soon.